Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Human Nutrition and Lifestyle. And I'm very excited to introduce to you today, Dr. Mindy Pels. So Dr. Mindy, thank you very much for joining us on our podcast. And tell us a little bit about what you do and, and where you're from. Yeah, thank you for having me. I, I always say that if there's one conversation I love to have, it's about fasting. So thank you for having me. Um, gosh, where am I from and what do I do is a, it can be a very complicated question, but um, in a nutshell, uh, I've been in the wellness industry for over 25 years and my background was as a chiropractor and it's now morphed into more of fasting, nutrition and detox. And the change really happened because I just saw such a huge need for people to have tools that they can use day after day after day to build health and not disease. And I became really passionate about this idea that we, at least here in America, we only have like 12% of Americans that are metabolically fit. And we can talk about what that is, but that's that's a horrible, that's horrible. We have to change that. And when we look in today's, what's going on with the pandemic, we have to realize that yes, there's a virus, but there's also an immune compromised person. And how do we bring people's immunity back? How do we bring their, their health back? So I got really passionate about uh, the concepts, especially about fasting, that I took it to my YouTube channel uh, a couple years ago, and it exploded into this whole fasting movement. And now I spend my days doing things like this, talking to people about the principles of fasting. That's brilliant. That's great. And, and I'm pleased you uh, focused on fasting because it's one of those things that everybody can do. It's free. It doesn't yes. cost any money. Um, yes. But maybe perhaps we could start by saying what is fasting in a yeah. nutshell? Yeah, it's beautiful. And I'm so happy you brought that comment uh, or that point up because this is what I love about fasting. You don't have to have time and you don't have to have money. Those are the two biggest hurdles to health. And so all you got to do is know how to do it. And it's not as simple as just taking food away. So the way that I like to look at fasting is in a 24 hour period, we should have a, a time period where we eat and we should have a time period where we don't eat. For most people before they come to fasting, that's only when they sleep. They eat before they go to bed, they eat when they wake up. But what we are discovering through current science is that when you go an extended period of time without food, you turn on all these healing mechanisms that were innately born inside our bodies. And this is where fasting gets really cool. And we could dive into the, those different, like what switch gets turned on at 15 hours and 17 hours and 24 hours. So what we're seeing in our community is that when people take their eating time period and they compress it, they put it into an eating window and they create a fasting window that the body can heal itself. And that is mind blowing. And the miracles are incredible. I, I mean, they're list, like every day I get to go to my YouTube channel and see more and more miracles from people just doing that one step. That's brilliant. I know the term is intermittent fasting. People say it's intermittent fasting, but what I'm trying to turn it around to say is intermittent eating because Ooh, yeah, yeah. I love that. <laughs> that's great. That's, that <laughs> I, is so smart. 
yeah, that's really what we should be doing as human yeah. beings. We should be intermittently eating, not intermittently fasting, because fasting would potentially take up more of our time. So we are intermittently eating. So I'm trying to get that and change around. Oh my gosh, I'd love words. that. <laughs> there you go. You could get. I'm going to give you. I'm going to use it, and I'll give you a shout out on my YouTube channel, and then we'll we'll make you. We'll give you the credit for it. That's <laughs> a great you. term. Yeah. Well, I just think it makes sense. You know, it makes sense. Well, it so. makes sense. Um, yep. So yeah, you, you touched on that about your uh, timeline, and I know uh, it's famous. Everybody asks you about your I timeline, know. but it's brilliant. When anybody's thinking about fasting, that's the first thing they ask. They say, "Well, what happens to me? What happens yep. to my body at this time? And what happens if I was to continue?" So let us yeah. into that world. Yeah, I love, and the timeline just came out of me diving into the science and going, okay, what does the science say about this and this and this? So it took several years to put it together, but once I saw it really clearly, it became, you know, such a helpful tool to decide how long to fast. So the first part of the timeline is the very first step to fasting is what we call intermittent fasting, or I will now call intermittent eating. I love that. Uh, intermittent fasting, and it is 13 to 15 hours without food. So that if, you know, the easiest way to look what without food means is look at when you end your dinner and, and then go 13 hours from that time, and that's when you start eating again. Uh, this has the most research on it. My favorite study for the 13 to 15 hours without food is from the New England Journal of Medicine. It was put out in December 2019. It was a meta-analysis of over 1,500 peer-reviewed journal studies showing that intermittent fasting will help with obesity, diabetes, Alzheimer's, dementia, uh, multiple sclerosis, asthma, pre and post surgery, and that it should be used as the first line of treatment for those conditions from the majority of doctors. Now, the question is, are we using it as the first line of treatment? Generally not, no. <laughs> no, no. So, but it, but this was the most exciting uh, study that we've seen. I think my community uses it a lot for really helping people move from being at what I call a sugar burner into a fat burner. And what most people don't realize is that we're meant to go from this place where we can manage the food we're eating. And I know you talk about good foods on your platform, but we go from being a sugar burner part of the day when you're intermittent eating. And then you come over here and you become a fat burner when you're fasting. And, and we're meant to go in and out of these two energy states. So intermittent fasting is the first step to train your body to access this fat burning state because most people have never accessed it before. Most people are eating all day long. And then I think the other thing I love about intermittent fasting is it increases growth hormone. And growth hormone, you need to have growth hormone for all the other hormones to thrive and you need it to slow down the aging process. So it's, it's, there's something miraculous that happens to people when they go from eating six meals a day, eating all day to going to 13 15, to 15 hours, it turns on that first healing switch. That's brilliant. Yeah, that's great. And I'm pleased you said about the metabolic flexibility. Uh, I've, I've that, that term has been banded about a lot. And really, like you say, what it means is you are able to use both carbohydrates and fats as fuel. A lot of people will go into things like keto and get stuck in fat burning mode. Well, that could be as detrimental as being in being a high carb burner. 
So Agreed. it's it, you really need to be able to pull from both sources. I never say that carbohydrates are bad. I just say that you should make sure that you limit those perhaps in your nutrition, prioritize things more like protein and things like that. So yeah. then as, as you then go from the intermittent fasting um, place, and perhaps some people will try and push fasting a little bit further up to 24 hours or, or even into a few days. And what sort of things happen in your body as you do that? Yeah. So the next switch happens at about 17 hours and 17 hours is where autophagy switches on. And I always say there's been so much discussion in my community about when does it, what, what happens with autophagy? When does autophagy come on? Like there's so many different research studies out there, but the, I like to simplify it and say that autophagy is like a dimmer switch. So whereas intermittent fasting is more like, boom, you turned on the fat burner switch, you turn on the ketone switch, you turn on the anti-inflammatory switch. Autophagy is a little more like a dimmer switch where you're slowly turning it on. But what happens at 17 hours is your body figures out that food's not coming. So it has this internal wisdom to look within the cell and it makes the cell more efficient. It starts to clean the cell up. So if you have any mitochondria that aren't performing right, it'll repair that. If you have any uh, uh, proteins called endoplastic uh, plasmic reticulum in there that aren't working right, it'll clean that up. If there's bacteria, viruses, uh, pathogens inside the cell that are taking over the cell, it will clean that up. If it's a cancer cell that is really about to go rogue and replicate, it'll kill that cell. So autophagy is incredible for self-repair and that starts at 72 hours and will continue till about, or starts at 17 hours and will continue till 72 hours. So those people that go on like three-day water fast, they're getting more and more autophagy as the hours go on. Great. I like that about your dimmer switch. That's that's brilliant. <laughs> Not heard it said like that before. And that's a really good way to think of it because there's so much misconception out there that a particular at a particular hour, that is when autophagy will start for that particular person. Whereas everybody's different, especially yep. um, if you're an athlete or if you're doing other types of acute stresses like cold therapy and things, it could potentially bring that uh, on sooner. But I like the way you say generally at 17 hours, that's when autophagy potentially starts because then you give the big window of then all the way up to 72 hours where it could potentially start within that time. And also not forgetting that each of these sections within fasting, it doesn't mean that autophagy starts and then any other benefit stops. You still have the benefit of being in fat burning mode. You still have that particular benefit as you add on and add on each fasting window going longer and longer. So do yeah. you advocate then going to really long fast, let's say five to seven days, or even some people take it to the very extreme and will go up to 20 days of fasting if um, some, yeah. some sort of religions um, do that sort of thing. What would you say about that? Yeah, it, oh gosh, I have a lot to say about that. So um, to finish the autophagy thing, I just want to point out that, oh my gosh, did we have so many like discussions about this on my in my community i had no idea that people were had such strong opinions about autophagy and so it's been really fun and that's why i came up with the dimmer switch i'm like okay let's not it's like when the carnivores and the vegans start you know getting mad at each other i'm like let's just look at this different 
So um, here's the next, let me sort of take you through the next uh, couple of hours and then let's talk about the longer fast because that'll help people understand. And I love what you said that you're not turning off the other mechanism. You're just turning on all these switches of healing, which is why this fasting is so incredible. So 24 hours, the science shows that you reboot your intestinal um, microbes and you reboot all of your stem cells inside your gut. So people who have gut problems, 24 hour fast is amazing. We are finding the 36 hour fast is incredible for people who are stuck with weight loss resistance. And that's, there's not a lot of research on that. That's more anecdotal. Like we see it in our hundreds of thousands of people that we fast with every month. So 36 seems to be that moment that people start to drop weight a little bit more. Um, 40, uh, 48 hours, you reset your whole dopamine uh, pathways. So if you're not experiencing joy, if you're not getting joy out of your food, if you're feeling depressed, 48 hours is, is gonna be your fast. And then 72 is stem cells. So stem cells, this was made popular by Walter Longo. He's a researcher out of the University of Southern California. And he showed that a 72 hour fast would reboot all your white blood cells. So incredible for cancer, incredible for immune support. And then beyond that, to answer your question, beyond that, now, if you get those stem cells going, if you wanna go five days, seven days, 20 days, you are going to get massive amounts of stem cells. And so stem cells are any cell that can go in and repair the body. So I always use the example, I had an Achilles tendon injury that just wasn't going away. And I tried everything and I finally threw a five day water fast at it and it never came back. It was just completely gone. Some people go 20 days, you know, 30 days because they want to lose weight or they have cancer or they have some major condition they're trying to overdo. I'm not a, I, I don't advocate, you don't hear me talk about those long ones very much um, because I think you need to be coached through them. I think it's really important that you're watching yourself and somebody's watching you, you're watching your blood sugar through the whole process. Um, but I think three to five days, a healthy individual can pop in and out of that fast pretty easy. Yeah, that's great. I think you really do need to be careful with those longer ones. Don't just obviously jump yeah. into them. You need to have done at least three days, five days, you know, things like that, working up to it. And, and touching on that as well, I think intermittent fasting, uh, intermittent eating, as I call it, um, in a way, is quite a big step for somebody just yes. beginning. You know, yes. um, if you were to take, uh, let's say, Joe Bloggs off the street and talk about fasting, then it scares them. You know, they, they think, oh, no, you know, what, what not eating anything for, for that amount of time. So hopefully we can start to get across to people that you need also to back up your fasting with nutrition. Perhaps you need to start with nutrition before you even look into fasting, because if you're not eating the correct nutrition, then fasting is going to be a horrible experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you're like really deep in the sugar burner mode, I mean, what you're trying to do with fasting is get yourself over the fat burner mode and that switch is going to be really tough. So there's, there's a couple tricks for that. Uh, one is probably much of what you teach, which is eat the right oils, pull out the refined carbohydrates, pull out the refined sugars and just stabilize your blood sugar a little bit. When we're eating all day and we're eating the wrong foods, we're just going up and down with our blood sugar 10, 20 times a day. 
So if we can pull those foods that spike our blood sugar out and, and quickly spike it, like the refined flours and sugars, and we can switch to the good oils, just that alone will make fasting easier. And then the second trick I always tell people is start with like, just push your breakfast back an hour and get comfortable with that. And then do that for a week and then push your, it back another hour, do that for another week. And within three to four weeks, you're gonna be 15 hours effortlessly. So you don't have to, de I definitely don't recommend you jump into a three-day water fast, but um, you don't, you know, in order to get those, ex that accelerated healing that I talked about, I would encourage people to take the baby steps first. Yeah, that's so important to say. I mean, I think um, take the little steps, even if you're potentially, you are starting off from somewhere of not eating for eight hours, let's say just your sleep, okay, through the yeah. night. Then like you say, push your breakfast back, go to 10, go to 12, go to 13. There's no point in jumping in saying, oh, I want all this stem cell repair. I want all this autophagy straight away. There's no point in jumping in right there because I think I've heard you talk about it before. Say, look, fasting, it's, it's a fasting muscle. You've yes. got to train your fasting muscle as you would any other muscle. You wouldn't yes. go into a gym and pick up the heaviest thing you could straight away. You'd work your way up to that big heavy weight. So that's what you've got to do with the fasting. Yeah, well said. Yeah, I agreed. And, you know, my goal is I want people to create a fasting lifestyle where they, they are varying the times that they fast. They vary the types of foods that they eat. And I love people doing it in community. And I think that if we can look at fasting as a, a paradigm change, it needs to be that we need to approach our food differently. And we need to look at the windows in which we're eating and fasting and change the, instead of eating all day, let's look at how long we're gonna fast as opposed to what are we gonna eat always. And I, th I find it that's an easier rhythm for people and they can start to get the habit of fasting much easier. Whereas if you jump into a longer fast, you're gonna, it's like running a marathon and you've never run a single mile, you're gonna be like, you know, I never wanna do that again. You'll never want, and we want people to build this as a lifestyle. Yeah, so I hope you agree with what I'm about to say, but I often coach people I work with and say that fasting's part of your nutrition toolbox. Yes. It's potentially not to be used all the time, and potentially not to be used the same all the time as well. Yes. So yes. Um, I myself will do some intermittent eating differently on one day to the other day, like I'll front load my day with food or backload my day with food and then jump into a longer fast, like a three or a five day fast quarterly throughout the year, you know, something yeah. just to help me reset like that. It is something to add to your toolbox. I don't Agreed. I don't know how you um, put it out within your community, but I hope it's something similar. Yeah, no, I, I use the tool, toolbox analogy all the time. And we get, I do a live Q&A on my YouTube channel every Thursday and people say, well, what, what fast should I do for this? And how long should I fast for that? And I, my number one thing is to look at what you're trying to achieve. If you're just trying to like learn how to be a, a fat burner, then the tool that you need is intermittent fasting. You don't need the three-day water fast. If you're trying to repair your gut, then you got to throw in some 24-hour fasts here and there. If you're trying to overcome 
you know, cancer, then you might need a three-day water fast. But you learn to pull the tools out just as you learn to pull out your food tools and your exercise tools and your mindfulness tools. It's, it's a tool that just wasn't in the toolbox for so long. And now we're actually putting it back in, which is great. Yeah, that's great. And and I get it all the time where because people know I'm into nutrition, they say, OK, well, what do I eat? And that's the big question, isn't right? it? Everybody's different. And it comes back to that with fasting as well. Everybody's different. It depends on your goal. What are you trying to achieve? Because yeah. that will lend yourself to what sort of fasting you need to do, when you need to do it, how you need to do it. Now, right. I have worked with a lot of athletes and some of them fasting goes down really, really well. Some of them it doesn't. And again, I think it comes back to how they're putting it into the training regime, how they're putting it in with their nutrition. I think what a lot of athletes don't realize is exercise is an acute stress and fasting mm. is an acute stress. Yes. So they must have to be careful about how each one runs alongside each other. So if let's say you was working with an athlete who wanted to dive into fasting, are there certain principles you could get them to stick to, to help? Yes. Uh, so well said. So the first thing, there's a term that I love called hormetic stress and a hormetic stress is a beneficial stress to the body under a hormetic stress. You actually will build yourself stronger. So that workout that you go out and you push yourself that little extra and you and the next day you're like, whoa, like I feel really good from my workout the day before. That's a hormetic stress. But if you put too many hormetic stresses together, then all of a sudden you've created a really detrimental stress. And this is where fasting and workout can can go well together. And this is where they can go wrong together. So the first thing that I would say is if you're just intermittent fasting, I personally love fasting on an or um, working out on an empty stomach. Because what you're doing, if you're going to go, like I did it today, I went for a run and I was about 15 hours into a fasted state. And so um, what I'm forcing my body to do is use what we call glycogen stores. Those are glucose, that sugar that has been stored in your muscles. And I'm forcing my body to go find that and use it. And that's one of the great, greatest ways to not only build muscle, but to make yourself lean. So it's a great weight loss tool if you're doing it that way. I would never tell somebody to go work out on a 48-hour fast. I think anything over 24 hours, you should not. You should be walking or doing a light workout. But under 24, you're you're doing yourself in a fasted state. You're doing yourself some good. Now the other really cool like couple hacks that we've learned. One is if you do like autophagy fasting, 17 hours, Monday through Friday. And let's say Saturday is your big competition. Then uh, do autophagy fasting Monday through Thursday. Then on Friday, do some protein load because autophagy is leaning you out. It's repairing you. It's making you more efficient. But when you do protein loading on Friday, there's a really cool study that shows if you're eating protein every 20 hours, or I'm sorry, every two hours, 20 grams every two hours, you will build muscle. It's, and you do it through a process called mTOR. So you'll build muscle. So you get all this, you're building up all the little mitochondria in your muscles. Then Saturday, go do your major workout or go do your race or go do whatever that big day is. 
and then recover on Sunday with more protein building, like I described, and then go back to autophagy fasting Monday through Thursday. And so we've been able to use different principles of fasting, different principles of eating, looking at the science and build those around the different workouts. And now you're maximizing muscle strength. And most athletes are looking for that. So that's one way to use it. That's great. I'm pleased you found that out because a lot of people wouldn't think about eating protein before having their race or their high intensity workout. The general thing is carb loading, isn't it? So yes. everybody will say, oh, I'll go carb loading. Um, but what I would say in addition to that is if you are chronically training, chronically exercising, because I've worked with people who do things like Ironman or ultra marathons. Mm. Um, so they're training every single day. They're dipping into those glycogen stores, like um, what you mentioned. Then the time for you to replenish those glycogen stores is perhaps after your exercise. Um, so in the past, a lot of people have said, oh, you need to carb load. You need to make sure you've got all those carbohydrates on board before you exercise. Whereas, like you say, the protein would be much more beneficial for your muscles. It would help help to stop them breaking down as much, help you to make sure you maintain all your uh, energy and all your muscle there as well and all your strength. And then afterwards, you can replenish those glycogen stores for your next workout, whenever that, that may be. Yeah. If, if you follow I, that as a general rule, I, be I believe that that's the way to go. I, I absolutely agree with you. And a lot of times what we'll do is with our community is, you know, tell people work out and then have like a sausage or a piece of chicken or some just protein only. Don't put it with anything else and then have that right after your workout and then wait a couple of hours to have to replenish the glycogen stores like you mentioned. It's a great hack. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, whey protein is the one, obviously, that everybody jumps to. They'll have the go. whey that protein works. shake quite yeah. straight after, which is a great habit to get into. You know, generally, a lot of people are dehydrated as well straight after their run or, or their exercise, whatever it may be. So having your whey protein with some water, there we go. It's uh, killing two birds with one stone there and then then sit down later on at night and have uh, your glycogen stores topped up with your carbohydrates. That's that's brilliant. So yeah. one thing I wanted to ask you then to get away from exercise a little bit was, do, do you find that men react different to women when it comes to any type of fasting, whether it be the shorter intermittent eating type of fasting or the longer ones? Yeah, it's a great question as well. Um, and the first answer to that is men do so well with fasting. Like you guys can just click into fasting and like start losing weight left and right and like walk around like the fasting poster child. And uh, women have to first remember they can't compare themselves to men because your results will come quite quickly. I see this with husbands and wives all the time where they're like watching the husband just drop weight and the wife isn't even losing a pound. So we have to do it a little different and it really depends on our time of life. Um, my community just, we just came up with something called a fasting circle where, and this is for women that are uh, usually like under 40 or under menopause, women that are over menopause, I'll talk about that in a moment. But if you haven't gone through menopause yet, you basically, the simplest way to understand the fasting circle is that you have to time your fast according to where you are in your cycle. So day one to day 10, you need to be insulin sensitive. You can fast like a crazy woman. So when you, the first day your menstrual cycle starts till the 10th day, fast all you want, you'll do great. 
Day 10 to day 15, this is ovulation time for most women. You got a lot of hormones. I recommend you stick to the intermittent fasting. You don't do more than 15 hours. Then at about day 16 to day 19 of your cycle, you can go back to, to fasting as much as you want. There's a weird little four, hour, four day window there, but it's that week before your period that is crazy important that you don't fast. If from about day 20 until you actually start your cycle again, you just, you want to step out of fasting. You want to lean into more hormone building foods like squashes and potatoes and beans and, uh, and um, uh, grass-fed beef. Those kind of things are really good for building up citrus fruits, tropical fruits. These are not keto friendly foods, but the, you need to make progesterone during that time. And progesterone is very susceptible to stress and very susceptible to hormetic stresses. So you want no stress on your body from day 20 until you until you actually start your cycle again. That's and so if interesting you... that you say that because um, earlier on, I've spoken to Dr. Jamie Seaman and I asked her why I, some athletes I worked with, why they said that they felt really lethargic and their energy levels had dropped at that point in their cycle. And like, like she said, you know, it's simply because of the hormones. and. I didn't realize that uh, women don't need to be having any particular hormetic stresses on their body at that time, even exercise. Yeah. You know, there's some women out there who will train and train and train, want to be the athlete, want to be this. But if they just took the exercise away and like you say, they're fasting away at that particular point in the month, then they may be a lot better afterwards. Yeah, it, I was on a really interesting panel and one of the people on the panel was a... Um, he was a personal trainer for Tom Brady, who is a quarterback here in America. And uh, he, we, we got talking about women and working out. And he trains all these professional athletes. And when he heard my theory around fasting for women and their cycle, he said, oh, that's what we do with as when we're creating a training schedule for our female athletes. We put a recovery period in that week before their, before their cycle starts. And what we're noticing is their performance goes up and their injuries go down. And I was like, oh my God, here's like a man who's training women, you know, and top level athletes. And he knows that most women don't even know it. So it's really interesting. We cannot handle hormetic stress. We were, we were meant to just chill out. And I, I hear it so often, especially from my wife as well. She'll say, God, I'm just, I'm just so hungry this week. And then yeah. when we get down to it, it's because yeah. she's in that particular phase of uh, menstrual cycle there. So that's, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, obviously as a man, I try my best to understand and I try my best to dig into it. And the more and more I learn, I, I, I really do actually like learning about it because, um, you know, my body doesn't work the same as, as a woman's body. So there's a lot to learn. And yeah. when, I tra when I train athletes as well, and, and like you say, when I actually speak to some of these women, they don't know. They don't know women about don't it. Know. They don't know how the, their own body works. So yeah, she also needs she also needs more foot rubs that week before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll edit that I said out. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, that's great. And uh, yeah, you touched on a little bit earlier about the menopause. So um, how does that affect things? Yeah. So menopause is crazy too. So here's what, here's what happens is uh, women that are perimenopausal, they actually are going to have to track their cycle because they have no idea when it's coming or going. 
So I always laugh, I'm 52 years old. And when I started like understanding these principles, here I was tracking my cycle more than I did when I was trying to get pregnant with my kids. You know, it was like my cycle became so important because it told me when to fast and not fast. So women are gonna have to track their cycle if they're perimenopausal. If they're um, postmenopausal, then, you know, they can fast a little more like a man. They can fast whenever, but what they have to be mindful that the progesterone and estrogen are on a steady decline until the day they die. So progesterone is still sensitive to the hormetic stressors. So I recommend one day a week, maybe even two days a week that they step out of fasting and then lean into those progesterone building foods. We also have, I just put out a book, The Menopause Reset, explaining the different lifestyle changes that need to happen. And so in there, we map that out. Um, I'm also working on another book right now for women uh, on just all the fasting principles around for women. And I came up with like a 30-day cycle reset that all women could do that brings women in and out of these principles um, because there has to be more fluidity with this. And the postmenopausal woman doesn't really have like a, a time she's got to look at when she shouldn't fast, but she shouldn't fast every day, all the time. Like there needs to be some days where she steps out because it will tank her progesterone levels. Yeah, that's great. I think then that that would sit in well if I was working with somebody who was a postmenopausal woman, then I would approach yep. her the same way as I would. Um, a man in the way that's saying look you don't have to do the same thing all of the time just make sure you listen to your body mix it up you know intermittent fast to intermittent eat at the start of the day or the end of the day do different things throughout different weeks and then you know you can help your body that way so that's great and I think yeah and they uh, on that point, I just that if you're training a, a woman a postmenopausal woman she also might need more recovery days so and if you're a postmenopausal woman listening to this give yourself some grace because, you know, we tend to like want to push on through and we have to remember that actually we really need to be sensitive to progesterone. So whether you're working out or you're fasting, we have to take more breaks to be mindful of that hormone. I think then as well, nutrition becomes more important as well. You know, like, like we said earlier about I promote the nutrient dense foods, I make sure that um, not in any particular camp like keto or paleo can or anything like that. All I try and get out there to people are nutrient dense foods. So that basically means avoiding anything that's processed. You know, I yep. always emphasize the fact of check your ingredients. If you buy in packets, make sure there's nothing in there that anything, any bad seed oils or any added sugars or anything that you don't recognize on those packets about the processed food. So I think that goes across the board for everybody. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And, I, you know, uh, for the menopausal woman and the postmenopausal woman, she, her estrogen is going down dramatically. And if she's not aware of her insulin levels and, and, and keeping herself insulin sensitive, then she can become really, her estrogen levels can really decline. And as estrogen declines, estrogen's protective. So it's cardioprotective, it protects your joints, it creates a you know, beautiful glowing skin. Like you don't, wanna, you don't want estrogen to decline too fast. So um, food really becomes more important in those postmenopausal years. Yeah, I know there's uh, women screaming out now at me saying, ask me, the ask me, because about <laughs> your 30 day that you just mentioned then, I know there's going to be loads of people that I've worked with that just want to dive into this 30 day 
thing yes. that you run. So tell us a little bit about what that is and how they can get involved. Yeah. So, okay. So that one is in a book that is at the publisher right now. So that'll be out in 2022. But if you follow me on Instagram, what we did is we created a, an actual visual for it that we will be putting out so that um, you can, you can get access to the principles right away. Um, but basically what we did is we created a 30 day visual showing that like from, and we, we created different um, phases. So we have a power phase, a manifest, I call it the, man the ovulation phase is the manifestation phase and a nurture phase. And so in each one of these phases, there are fasts you can do and fasts you can't do. And on this visual there, and then we even went into exercise too, like, um, you know, in the nurture phase, when you need progesterone, you shouldn't fast and you shouldn't be running a marathon. Yoga would be great. And feasting is great. In the first power phase where day one through day 10, we've got a, a, a um, those days you can run marathons, you can push your workouts, but you're really working to make yourself insulin sensitive so you can get estrogen to work right. So it's really about the length of the fast and the length of the workout. And for the woman listening who wants to apply this right away is look at, look at your cycle and know that from day one to day 10, you can fast, you can do keto, you can work out as hard as you want. Day 10 to 15, just no more than 15 hours of fasting. Just keep it there. And the workouts actually, you, you have a lot of testosterone in that time period. So if you want to build muscle during that time, great time to build it during that ovulation or manifestation age period. Then right after ovulation, you have that four-day window, go back to all your keto, go back to your low carb, go back to your fasting, do as much as you want. And then day 20 until you bleed, no fasting, more hormone building, more yoga, less socializing, like stay at home and watch Netflix. Um, so that's kind of how it goes. And, and we have come up with a visual so people can see it. So that's coming. That's super amazing. And that is just so much great information that you're pushing out there. I know everybody that's listening to me is going to be wanting to jump straight onto that. So we'll, we'll I know <laughs> my, my team always says, stop saying things that aren't <laughs> out yet. So the menopause reset is great for women over 40 who really want to know like how to change their lifestyle once they hit 40. Um, and there's five principles I teach in that book. And then this next book will be out in 2022. But I can't keep my mouth shut about these principles because I just want to help people. Women are like dying for these answers. So I put it on my YouTube. I put it on Instagram as we are curating the information so you can get the up-to-date stuff there. Amazing. It's great work you're doing. And Thank you. uh, I wanted to touch on one thing that I heard you say before about the, the feast famine um, thing that, that you do. Is it five days on, one day's off, one day off or something yeah. along those lines? Yeah, so a really good like entry point to understand how to become, go from do this metabolic switching or what we would call feast famine cycling is five days a week, you intermittent fast. So let's just pick 15 hours. And what food you eat, that's up to you. You can choose whatever food you want, but you're gonna go five days a week of intermittent fasting. One day a week, you're gonna push your fast a little longer. I'd like to see you get to 24 hours because that's where you get this intestinal repair. And then one day a week you don't fast. And on that day, you're actually feasting. 
So, and feasting with good food. I, I, I think everybody should have a food value system where they're like, like my food value system, I don't eat the bad oils. They're too inflammatory, so I will not eat those. Uh, here in America, I don't eat gluten. It's it, even the organic gluten is like sprayed with pesticides and glyphosate and it's just never serves me well. So whatever your food value system is, I don't eat sugar. So those things don't crawl into my feast days, but what does crawl in are the squashes and the fruits and the potatoes and like real carb and protein loading. So we've got to learn how to eat and enjoy food and then combine that with fasting. Because the goal, like I love how you started this off. We can get stuck in sugar burner and we can get stuck in fat burner. We're not, we're not meant to be stuck in either one. We're meant to be able to go in and out of these states. And the 511 is a beautiful entry once you kind of have your rhythm with fasting. I think that's a great way for everyone to really enjoy fasting and do the feast famine cycling is through the 511. Well, something like that really stuck out to me when I first started and I started to look down the fasting road. Something like that really stuck out because I started off by researching a lot about what our ancestors did. And I think if you right. look back through time into all the some some tribes even now today, but if you look back as to what they did, that's more along the lines of what a human being uh, evolved yeah. to do. It was the yes. fact of they got a feast at some point. They killed an animal. They managed to find a big horde of tubers, whatever it was. They managed to have a feast. And then generally after that, they had intermittent eating, as I say. So yeah. I yeah. I, I always like paint the story. Think about like the cave people when they woke up and they like the day was beginning. They didn't have a refrigerator or a pantry to go to. They had to go find their food. And so we have this built-in mechanism that gives us energy, gives us mental clarity, that gives us motivation that's called ketones. And when your body makes ketones, you're, you feel limitless. But the purpose of that was to go get food. And then they would make a big kill and they would come back and they would feast. And then the next day they get up and do it all over again. So that's how we're designed. And yet now we wake up and get out of bed. We got a refrigerator full of food and we have so much access to food that we've totally lost sight of this other energy system that it can serve us so well. That's absolutely brilliant. I love the way you put it. And uh, you absolute font of knowledge. I could listen to you all day. I'm <laughs> very, you. very mindful. I don't want to take up all your time. And Let's tell everybody where they can find you and where they can follow along with you because I know they're just begging for that information. Oh, thank you. Well, YouTube is, I'm putting out new videos every week. So I, and much of it is built around the science of fasting. So I spend a lot of my week looking in the literature and seeing how we can apply it to our fasting lifestyle. So YouTube for sure. From there, um, we, you know, everybody learns a little different, right? So some people like the video, other people like it written. Um, so I, my team takes my YouTube videos and puts them in little information squares on my Instagram. So you can go find it over there. Uh, we have a fasting collaborative group on Facebook where we all fast together once a month. We do it, we practice exercising our fasting muscle. It's free group. So you can join us there. Uh, if you're postmenopausal, you can go to Amazon and find my book or go to my website. Everything is off my website. Uh, the menopause reset are the five principles I use to, uh, to go through menopause without drugs, without suffering, uh, using the principles of fasting. So 
I'm kind of everywhere. You, yeah, I love, <laughs> I love the way you just try and get so much content out there, just free for people to see. And yes. like you say about the one thing that you really want people to try, and and I urge everybody to put into their nutrition is fasting, and fasting yes. is absolutely free. It's just something yeah. that is fundamental to being a human being. It's free. Go out there, try it. Listen to Dr. Mindy. Go follow Dr. Mindy. What's your handle at Instagram? Is it at Dr. Mindy? Dr. Mindy Pels. Yeah, I think it's Dr. Mindy Pels. Yeah, Dr. Mindy Pels. So we'll get all my followers to tag along with you there. <laughs> Thank you Thank very you. much for your time today. Yeah. It's been amazing. Yeah, and at, and ask me questions on Instagram. You can DM me. My team's there. I'm there. So uh, you know, this is one of those things. It's like riding a bike. You gotta like once you figure it out, it's hard to stop but it does take a little skill in the beginning. So thank you for having me. And I appreciate just, again, I favorite topic. So anytime I can talk about it is a good day for me. Thank you very much, Mindy. That's been great. Yeah, thank you. Well, there you go. Everything you need to know about fasting from Dr. Mindy. One thing we didn't have chance to touch on though, was coming out of a longer fast. Usually anything up to 24 hours, you will be fine to return to your everyday, real food, nutrient-dense nutrition without any worry. However, going a little bit longer, especially three to five day fasts, will require an exit plan, more preparation for when you finish. To ensure that a run to the toilet isn't on the cards, the best thing to do after a longer fast is to start small with a cup of apple cider vinegar water or a simple little snack like three to four scrambled eggs. This will help repopulate your gut bacteria that may have been dormant during the period of not eating. The longer you go with your fasts, the smaller and slower you'll need to reintroduce your foods. But the gut should repopulate quite quickly within a couple of hours of beginning to eat again. And if you actually do it on a regular basis, like every few weeks, then your body will get used to repopulating quicker and more efficiently each time. So hopefully that clears that up. If, however, you still have questions, don't be hesitant to contact us. There really isn't anything easier and simpler that you can do for improvement to your health than fasting. So reach out to us at humannutritionlifestyle.com. You can always go follow at dr.mindypels on Instagram for more of her work. And she also has her YouTube channel too. Now, if you've been following us on social media, you may have seen the new cooking apron we now have available to you. At the moment, you can pre-order one for yourself from our shop at humannutritionlifestyle.com forward slash shop. Go get one for yourself or get one for that top chef in your life. Now, next week, we look at sugars and sweeteners and the effects they have on us and particularly our children. But until then, be well, stay safe, and I'll see you next time.